Welcome to BSD Talk, number 101. It's Monday, February 26, 2007. Today I'm interviewing George Neville Neal, and I've interviewed him in the past, but it's always been about some event that he's been working with. But he's also a gifted programmer, so I wanted to interview him about one of the projects he's working on. So here it is. Today on BSD Talk, we're speaking with George Neville Neal. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Will. And I wanted to speak with you today about some tools that you've been working on, specifically the Packet Construction Suite and the Packet Debugger. So why don't we start with the Packet Construction Set, and you could let me know what that is and what it's for. Well, so the, the goal of PCS, so the Packet Construction Set, is to make it easier for people to work with packet formats. If you look in the inside the kernel code for something like the TCP IP stack, you'll see there's a whole bunch of manipulation that goes on that's really unrelated to the protocol, it's mostly moving little bits around because of the way uh, network protocols are specified. Often they're specified with very odd-sized fields, like there's a 13-bit field in the IP header, 4-bit fields, things like that. And that means that programming them is not easy and not very natural. So one of the things I needed for a bunch of tools that I'm working on, and we'll talk about Packet Debugger in a bit, was a good way of being able to encode, describe protocol packets, network packets, and then being able to manipulate them in code as well without having to do a whole bunch of bit shifting or any of this other stuff that we always wind up doing in C in the kernel. Is the packet construction set something that operates at the kernel level, or is this something that the end user runs? No, actually, PCS is a set of Python libraries. Um, when I'm not programming in the kernel, I'm actually programming in Python. So I basically spend most of my time in C or Python these days. Python turns out to be really good for fast prototyping and, and building tools. I, I find it good for building tools that have a good structure. It's got good documentation support, things like that. And so it's a set of libraries, a set of classes and, and uh, modules that provide access to basically packets. And underlying that is one other library I'm using, originally written by Doug Song. It's All of this stuff is in ports now which gives me direct access to PCAP from Python, so I can actually read and write raw packets uh, from the library. And these all require root privileges? Well, yeah, reading and writing, um, well, either that or you need to change your, uh, your BPF uh, uh, device, your network devices, to be uh, readable and writable by anyone, which is not advisable. But yes, you'll, you'll need root to uh, read and write raw packets. But PCS also provides access to saved uh, TCP dump files, so you can open a dump file, you can write a dump file, you can read a dump file, and also it gives access to normal sockets, not PCAP-based sockets. So you can open a TCP socket, and if you're working on an application protocol like an IM system or something with HTTP or DNS, um, you can talk right over the top of a UDP or a TCP socket or a raw IP socket. And for that, you don't actually have to have root privileges. Well, raw IP, you have to have root privileges, but uh, TCP and UDP, you don't. And there are other tools out there for constructing packets. I'm trying to remember their exact names, like FPing or HPing. Right. How is your system different? 
So I had the typical problem with, I think many people have with open source software, which is everybody's implemented a part of the solution. But nobody, in my opinion, uh, there's HPing, there's DNet, which is a C-based system. Nobody went so far as to come up with a way of making it easy to describe a packet. So in PCS, to create what eventually becomes an IP object to which you can make changes and read the fields out, it's only 20 lines of source code. It's very, very simple. And once you have that, you get this really uh, impressive boost in expressive power. Because, for instance, if I want to read the time to live from an IP packet, once I'm using PCS, all I do is I say, okay, well, IP object, and then I ask for its TTL attribute, and it will give me the number. And if I reset it, it will not only reset the field in the object, it resets an underlying set of bytes which can be transmitted on the wire. So if I wish to modify a packet, all I do is set the appropriate field, and PCS also has bounds checking. So if you make an error in your program and you try to overload, you try to put too much data into a field, it will tell you. And this set of libraries obviously will be used by a higher-level application. Could you describe exactly. any applications that you've written to take advantage of PCS? Right. So there's the packet debugger, which we should talk about uh, somewhat. And the next thing, the, the real motivation for PCS is actually the next tool I'm working on called NetTest. Um, NetTest hasn't been written yet. But at the moment, there aren't, in my opinion, any good open-source network protocol conformance test systems. So the way we test things like the TCPIP stack or like the new SCTP stack that's in FreeBSD, is we set up a connection, or we ping the host, or we run some application. But this actually doesn't tell us whether or not the protocol completely conforms to the RFC. Uh, in the past, protocol conformance tests were very expensive or, and or very hard to use. One protocol conformance test suite I worked with oh, some seven years ago required specialized Sun hardware and cost upwards of ten to $15,000 per seat. So the goal of this is to actually have an open source test suite that we can run as a regression test against uh, FreeBSD's network stack as we continue to develop it. The other tool that um, you made mention of, and that's the, the first real tool that's out there uh, from PCS, is something called the Packet Debugger. And what this allows uh, the user to do is to work with streams of packets, and this can be streams of packets at any level, TCP, IP, eventually as we add more protocols, even higher level protocols like RADIUS or popular IM chat systems. Uh, you can treat all of those as if they're the source code of a program. So a traditional debugger for a source code, which most, pe most of your listeners will know about, Gives you, shows you the source code. You can step through it. You can say next. You can say previous. Um, you can set breakpoints. Well, the packet debugger does the same thing with a stream of packets. So you can, for instance, record a TCP dump session, load it into the debugger, list it, look at the packets. Each packet is given the equivalent of a line number, so you can say, well, break at this line. And then you can run the, you can say run, like you would in a debugger, and it will actually transmit the packets in sequence up to the point of the breakpoint that you've given. And then you can do other things like inspect packets or do other, and eventually you'll be able to update packets. That's my next feature. So the packet debugger, of course, depends heavily on PCS for things like being able to get the packets out of PCAP files or read them live from the network or display them back to you. And as, as I add the update feature, being able to update that, that's all based on PCS. And the nice thing about, um, you know, every once in a while, 
and I, I this is going to sound a little bit uh, haughty, but every once in a while you, you build something that actually is very useful to you. And PCS has been one of those things because the packet debugger, although it sounds somewhat complex at the moment, is only about a 1,000 lines of Python, mostly because all the heavy lifting is being done by PCS, which is about 2,000 lines of Python. So my hope is that I'll be able to get more people on board working with PCS and building more tools. One of the things that we... I did with uh, PCS last year is one of the Google Summer of Code students worked with me on doing a security check of the IPv6 implementation in FreeBSD and uh, Clement Legine. And uh, Clement took the PCS library and implemented protocol fuzzers with it, things that would actually test for boundary conditions in the protocols. And when I was looking through the documentation for the packet debugger, uh, one of the terms I was perhaps a little unclear about was when you talk about moving through a stream. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't quite sure whether you were talking about a stream of packets being a sequential set of packets or whether you were talking about TCP streams where there can be you know, multiple streams within a flow of packets. Right. So when, um, And actually, I guess I'll have to go back and fix the documentation and clear that up. But um, a stream in, in the packet debugger is simply a set of packets either coming from an interface or coming from a saved file or even at some point you'll be able to create them at the command line. I mean, the, there's a fairly rich command line interpreter in, in the packet debugger. So a stream is, for instance, uh, if you're watching, like uh, when you use Ethereal, or now it's called Wireshark, which interprets network packets, a stream would be all of the packets that were seen in a packet file. So they will definitely be sequential in time. They could be part of multiple TCP streams. It depends on how the packets were captured in the first place. Really, a stream is a convenient way of thinking of like uh, an instruction stream, like the code in the debugger. So when you're, you, you can have multiple streams active at the same time in the debugger, and it's like having multiple files and being able to say, well, run this thread or run that thread. So a stream actually represents a thread of packets, I guess is the best way to term it. I'll have to come up with better terminology. And one of the features was also to specify an interface to output packets as you step through the stream. Is there also the option to set up a packet debugger as a consumer on the other end of the wire? Well, there isn't just yet, but that's um, so at the moment, packet debugger is at, at beta 0.1, as we like to call it. In beta 0.2, you'll be able to do that. For the most part, at the moment, I'm uh, having it read pre recorded uh, dump files that were taken with TCP dump. But one of the, certainly not in the next version, but in perhaps the version after that, Uh, I want to be able to have a more complex scripting environment. Since I've got Python, I can actually do that, Uh, whereby I can actually say, open a device, read some packets, see what they do, and then take action based on that. And the other uh, important extension is, since the command line interpreter is its own module, you'll actually eventually be able to say, hook up GDB to, or another debugger, an IDE, to the packet debugger. So you'll be able to say something like, okay, well, spawn this command and run these packets and then break at this line number. So you'll actually be able to work with a real source code debugger and the packet debugger at the same time. And given that this is based on Python, how portable is it? It's completely portable. I've been developing it. Uh, my my portable machine is uh, a MacBook on which I run uh, multiple FreeBSD instances in uh, virtual machines to do network testing. So uh, definitely Mac OS X and FreeBSD It'll run on pretty much anything that has PCAP uh, interfaces on it. And now there is a Windows version of PCAP and a Windows version version of Python. 
So it may even run on Windows, but uh, you're not going to get me to do that. Another feature of the packet debugger was to choose where you are in the seven-layer model. And one limitation with a lot of tools is at the data link layer, your cards are chucking out bad frames. And so you may not see certain things moving up the stack. Is there any way around that with these kind of tools? You can't, I mean, at the moment, you can't override what the device driver is going to do. If the device driver doesn't hand up a, a frame, then you're not going to see, like, you're talking about a damaged frame. You're not going to see that. It's very device-dependent. Sometimes you can tell the device, no, I really want all frames. And if it's a liberal device like that, then, you know, there might be a way to do that. There wouldn't be a way to do that right now through the packet debugger. Because I think that's usually how a lot of these hardware vendors charge the prices that they charge for their network analysis tools, that they're really able to see everything from the top to bottom. Right. And my plan is not to put those people out of business. My plan is basically to give people an alternative for when they don't need that kind of stuff. I mean, this would not replace, for instance, a smart bits. And before you had the packet construction set and the packet debugger, what tools were you using to do your protocol analysis? What most people use, which is, um, <clears throat> I'd use Wireshark, which used to be called Ethereal. That's the, the visual version of TCP dump. There is uh, currently in, in existence an IPv6 protocol conformance suite, but it's rather out of date and has many problems, not the least of which is it's written in rather incomprehensible Perl, uh, so you can't extend it. One of the goals of PCS is, is easy extensibility. Anyone should be able to add a packet. If they, you know, any programmer should be able to add a packet. So before I was using that conformance test, I'm still using it because it's still got a lot more tests in it than I've got now. Uh, Wireshark and Ethereal. And uh, basically people were building and, and continued to build these little one-off tools. There's, you know, for performance testing, I've been using something called NetPipe. Other people have used other test suites in the past. But if you look, uh, and you can look right in the FreeBSD tree in our test uh, suites, and you can see that there's, all, you know, every time someone makes a change, they have to add some strange little test, which is usually a whole C program, which means it's harder to tie those together and things like that. And because you're relying on something else to capture your packets, I guess writing this in Python, you don't have to worry about the performance issues maybe on a gigabit network. Right. I rather doubt this would ever be used as a, a performance test. Because this is conformance testing, quote-unquote slow is not a problem. I actually have been planning to do the traditional forwarding test with PCS where I could simply have PCS read raw packets and then do a routing lookup the same way the C code does and see what happens. It's just an interesting thought experiment, but I haven't actually had time to do that. I would guess that uh, being an interpreted Python, it would be at least an order of magnitude slower than a than the C implementation. Well, actually, I hope it's an order of magnitude slower than the C implementation because uh, otherwise that would mean our C implementation had problems. And on a lot of packet debuggers or tools to analyze packets, not only do they display perhaps the raw hexadecimal, but they also give you some hints as to what the different fields are and maybe what the flags are. Does the packet debugger give you any of that information? Yeah, actually one of the nice things about having come up with a way of doing a text description of the fields is uh, when you print, in, uh, for instance, in the debugger or in PCS, if you print a uh, a packet object, you, you can get the pretty print, what's called the pretty printed version of it. And that gives you field names and their values. Getting the flags and stuff in there, like the TCP flags, uh, is just a matter of adding a little more oomph to the object. 
but at the moment it doesn't do that, but it does give you all the fields for pretty much any packet it covers. And we cover quite a few packets. So there's IP, IPv6, and that goes all the way up, UDP, TCP, neighbor discovery packets, ARP, Ethernet, uh, localhost, because localhost turns out to actually be a, a type of packet capture for PCAP. So if you're messing with localhost, you have to deal with that. So covers quite a few packets. Um, my One of my goals is to actually get uh, Randall Stewart and his team who've been uh, integrating SCTP into FreeBSD uh, conformance test for them because uh, it'll be an interesting test of PCS itself. What about protocols like Apple Talk or IPX? Apple Talk and IPX should probably happen, but that's not going to happen in the next couple of months because that's a significant chunk of work. And um, one of the things that this library is being used for is actually my day job, where I'm going to have to put higher-level protocols on it to test some uh, proprietary servers that they're using there. And will this have a plug-in architecture for adding newer protocols? Well, yeah, actually, I wouldn't call it a plug-in architecture, but adding a new protocol is pretty much adding a file with the proper description in it. And PCS has a manual that says, you know, here's how to add a new uh, protocol to it. So... It's as simple as creating a class, giving it the right name, inheriting from the PCS class, you know, using normal inheritance, uh, setting up the fields correctly, and then calling the correct superclass constructor, and that's it. Uh, once you've done that, then in your programs you can just import that you can, the equivalent of an include in, include file in C. Uh, you can import that object and you can work with it instantly. So. Plugins are actually even more complex than I would have to deal with. It's, it's much simpler. And for people that know your work, this might be an obvious question, but how are these libraries licensed? OBSD licensed. And actually, they all sit on SourceForge at the moment. So there's pcs.sf.net is the PCS library, and pktdbg, packet debug, uh, .sf.net is the packet debugger. Great. Well, are there any other topics that you wanted to talk about today? Nope. That'll pretty much cover it. Okay, well, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Well, and thanks for asking all these great questions. If you'd like to leave comments on the website to reach the show archives, you can find them at bsdtalk.blogspot.com. Or if you'd like to send me an email, you can reach me at bitgeist at yahoo.com. That's B-I-T-G-E-I-S-T at yahoo.com. Once again, I'd like to thank OpenBSD for the use of the opening music. Thank you for listening. This has been BSD Talk. Number 101.